0: In the top half of the ninth inning, the batter now is Bruce Look. The left-hand hitting catcher has been up twice, twice he has struck out. Archiver,
1: the A's in Kansas City, is made possible by a grant from the Missouri Humanities Council and is a member of the Fountain City Frequency, family of podcasts.
0: Regardless of how the flip turns here tonight, there's one thing we've got to say, that this Hunter has pitched himself a ball game that he will long remember and so will the A's. Overhand fastball. Swim and a miss for strike. One ball, one strike count on Bruce Lux with one out here in the top of the ninth inning.
1: We begin this episode on May 8, 1968 at the Oakland-Alameda County Coliseum. Catfish Hunter is pitching for the A's, and that's Al Helfer, Mr. Baseball Radio, as he was known, on KNBR San Francisco, and history was about to happen.
0: Two balls and two strikes. One out. Bases clean. Top of the ninth inning. Four nothing in favor of the A's. He delivers. There's his fastball. Oh, strike three. Right down the pitch. Breakout number ten for the catfish. And Rich Reese is coming up as a pitch batter. He'll bat for Paranofsky. Rich Reese. So well, they're down to the very last out. Down comes the pitch. Three swings on it and falls hit. it. That's right one. Hundred delivers. The pitch is taken inside and tight, just off the belt buckle. That doubles the count with one ball and one strike. Hundred delivers. It. The pitch is taken on the inside. A check swing on Reese, and his count goes to two and one. The two one delivery. Down it comes. Swing on and hook back foul into the stands out of play. Two balls and two strikes. This will be the two two delivery. Hunter cuts it loose. The pitch is taken on the inside. Macaroni thought he had something hot about that one as Jerry Neudecker called it on the inside for ball three. Here he comes again with the 3 2 delivery. Fastball leading there. Great play. The fly is 6 0 here. He is being mobbed. Jim Catfish Hunter. Did not allow one man to get the first place tonight against the Minnesota Twins. He pitched a perfect ball game and goes into the record books tonight of the immortals who have stood out on that diamond and have been able to mold the opposition down. Right now his teammates have wasted him to their shoulders and they're carrying him to the dugout. And you can well imagine how this young man feels.
1: I strongly suspect Catfish was elated. He was not quite 22 years old, and he had just pitched the first perfect game in the American League in 46 years. I also suspect fans in Oakland were thrilled. A perfect game the first year the franchise was in town. But for 12-year-old me, and for many baseball fans in Kansas City, this was just another what-could-have-been moment. You see, this perfect game was a preview of an Oakland dynasty, a team that would win three consecutive World Series with players who started in Kansas City. Just a year before Catfish's gem, Kansas City was fighting to keep the A's, but it turns out the fix was in and Kansas City baseball fans were going to get drilled by a Charlie Finley fastball. I remember when I first heard that the team was moving from Kansas City and I was uh, heartbroken. The podcast is Archiver, the A's in Kansas City. Episode last, big league baseball is gone. Long live big league baseball. Me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. A dream come true. It's Oakland A's now. screamed the headline on the front of the San Francisco Examiner sports page on October 19th, 1967. The day before, American League owners approved Charlie Finley's request to move the A's from Kansas City to Oakland. Literally from the moment Finley bought the club and came to town in 1960, he wanted to move the A's. He claimed otherwise, but it was a lie. Author John Peterson, who wrote a great history of the team simply called the Kansas City Athletics, says Finley first flirted with Dallas. And I think Finley was very disappointed and thought Kansas City was not a good baseball town And immediately at first season began to wonder if he should move the team to another city. One of the cities he looked at was Dallas. Supposedly he went down there, uh, brought back hats to manager Frank uh, Bauer, uh, uh, Hank Bauer, and wanted uh, the players to wear Dallas hats. He also scouted out the cotton bowl to see if that would be a suitable site for baseball. Finley considered Seattle and asked American League owners to let him move to Louisville, but he was the only owner to vote yes on that. But after years of agitating, demanding, and plain old vetching, his fellow owners had enough and voted to let Finley move. Many in the area tried like hell to keep the team in Kansas City. Here's former Kansas City Councilman Sal Capra.
0: In the lease with Charlie Finley, there was a provision that we had to draw 800,000 people. When he started acting up like he did, the attendance was going down. So business leaders and the star and everybody came along at the last three or four weeks and bought the tickets so that we complied with the 800,000 people.
1: It was a drip, drip, drip of pain and anxiety for A's fans in 1967. Will they stay or will they go? Oakland offer Temps Finley, the headline read on the front page of the Morning Kansas City Times on July 21st, the same day the team started a weekend homestand against the White Sox. I'm very much impressed, Finley told the AP. In fact, he had already made up his mind. He was chomping at the bit. He thought he was going to be the next Major League West Coast success. He was going to follow in the footsteps of the Dodgers and Giants, who moved west from New York. After seeing how well the A's fared in Kansas City, after fleeing Philadelphia. Kansas City tried everything, including passing a $102 million bond issue to build the Truman Sports Complex. Even a brand new baseball-only stadium couldn't convince Finley to stay. He had badgered American League owners so much, they finally said yes at the next league meeting. W.A. Clarkson was chair of the Jackson County Sports Authority at the time and was part of the team at the league meeting.
2: American League, as I recall, called a meeting in Chicago right after the World Series in 1968 and the whole delegation from the Kansas City community that was involved and we were musing back and forth with all of our group how how and what we might be able to say in order to hold the team in Kansas City all the time knowing that uh, Finley was doing everything he could to move. Sometime late in the afternoon or early evening They called us up to meet with uh, the leadership of the American League Committee. I was in the room, Senator Symington, the mayor of Kansas City, Ike Davis, and they told us that in fact they had voted to allow the A's to move to Oakland. And the thing that was most upsetting was that they would not give any specifics about an expansion team to replace the A's in Kansas City. To put it candidly, all hell broke loose. Ike Davis, the mayor, who's normally at that time was very straightforward, and he exploded. And I remember Senator Symington got so mad he stormed out of the room.
1: Turns out that Missouri Senator Stu Symington wasn't a guy you wanted to piss off. Stu Symington was the first Air Force secretary. He successfully led the Berlin Airlift. He was a powerful member of the Senate Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committees. And he hated Senator Joe McCarthy. They argued and sniped at each other during one of the Army McCarthy hearings in the spring of 1954. Here's an example. It starts with McCarthy calling Symington sanctimonious stew.
3: While our friend sanctimonious stew... Senator, I resent that. Advising as 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 my first name. Advising. You're a, you better go to a psychiatrist. I, I want to no to psychological me. bribes from you. The truth you talk about, Senator. So if you want to, if you want to do that. You can take the stand. I'll step right. down right don't now. Sign the letter. I will Senator. not sign the letter with sign false statements it. Very simple. In the record. Mr. all you have to do is sign it. Don't, 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 don't pull that. that. Time. Don't, pull time. Pull that. Time. don't pull sign that pony thing on me. Sign day. the letter. Don't there time. it is, Senator. Got my signature on it. You have a document with false statements in it. I will not sign and agree that's true. Now don't. Mrs. You are you're not fooling anyone. You are not fooling anyone, Mr. Simon. You're not fooling anyone. I have offered to go before any committee, do anything you ask. If I can just get you to come down here and take the oath so we can get the answers to some questions. That's now, you're not, you're not fooling anyone at all. Senator, I'm sure of that. Senator, let me tell you something. The chair believes that we understand. The American people have had a look at you for six weeks. You're not fooling anyone either. the Potter.
1: Not many people were willing to take on Joe McCarthy. Symington was. So facing down baseball team owners 13 years later, not such a big deal. Clarkson remembers the KC representatives reconvening in the Drake Hotel in Chicago, and Senator Symington calling Yankee President Mike Burke. Symington told him that if Kansas City didn't get a team for the 1969 season, Major League Baseball could kiss its antitrust exemption goodbye.
2: Well after Senator Symington, with a pretty lengthy conversation with Mr. Burke, who was the owner of the Yankees at that time, he really got their attention. And then there was a frantic bit of activity on the part of the American League group to try to regroup and have another meeting. And they were frantically trying to locate the owners, some of them who had checked out, some of them they couldn't find. Very anxiously trying to find Gene Autry who's uh, they didn't know where they checked out of the hotel and they finally found uh, Mr. Autry in in the hotel bar so they reconvened their meeting and got back to us late that evening and the word came down that yes the A's were going to be allowed to move there would be a one-year hiatus for the 1968 season and Kansas City would be granted an expansion league franchise for the 1969 season, and they indicated that the new ownership of that expansion team would be approved by the spring of 1968. That meeting subsequently uh, with the American League in Mexico City, that's when Ewing Kaufman got the franchise for what would then become the Kansas City Royals. That was in 1968. And they opened the season in 1969.
1: The Royals opened the season at 22nd and Brooklyn Avenue, the same place the A's played when they arrived in 1954.
4: After 18 months of careful planning and tireless effort, the big day finally arrived. Opening day, Municipal Stadium on April the 8th. And what a launching it was, as immediately the dream script began. The Royals win the opening day struggle against the eventual winners in the Western Division, the Minnesota Twins. Yes, the Royals were for real. And the man who made it all possible tells us why. Royal owner Ewing Kaufman. Basically the reason that I got in the baseball business is that I thought the people of Kansas City in this great metropolitan area should have a Major League Baseball team. I also would say that I think that Kansas City and Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, Oklahoma are tremendous sports fans. And I thought it would be successful.
1: I was at that opening game with a whole new team of players to root for. Lou Pinella went four for five. He would go on to be the American League Rookie of the Year in 1969. The Royals beat the Twins in extra innings that day. Joe Keo singled in Joe Foy in the 12th. The win would go to Mo Drabowski in relief. He was one of four Royals who also played for the A's in Kansas City.
4: Welcome back to baseball, Kansas City. You've been missed. That new look is your team, and Mid-America's team. The young and exciting Kansas City Royals. A team that proved itself to be the best of Major League Baseball's new entries in 1969.
1: In the 50 years the A's have been in Oakland, they've won four World Series, including an amazing three in a row from 1972 to 74, and six American League pennants. In those same 50 years, the Royals have two World Championships and four American League pennants. Now, baseball people would probably disagree, but I'm going to call it even, mostly because I love Kansas City, but also because this is my podcast. And that's this season of Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodapp and Linda Haskins in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible with a grant from the Missouri Humanities Council. Archiver is produced with Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelen is executive producer, and with the Center for Midwestern Studies, where Diane Moody Burke is director. Two special thank yous as we wrap the season. First, to Jeff Logan from the Kansas City Baseball Historical Society, who provided not just his deep knowledge of Kansas City sports, but the cool radio clips you heard. And to Mitch Nathanson, who was our Philadelphia A's expert. I just finished his biography of slugger Dick Allen called God Almighty Himself, and it is terrific. If you missed any of our Archiver episodes, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We're taking a little break, but in a couple of months, Archiver will be back with some fascinating oral histories from local Vietnam veterans. I'm Sam Zeff, and thanks for joining me on this season of Archiver.